You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Melbourne's diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Good morning, you're listening to the Spoken Word Program here on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to acknowledge that today we're broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, stolen land, unceded land. I pay my respects to past and present elders. Thank you so much for tuning in to Spoken Word on 3CR. My name is Carmen Main and I'm here with Sharaf Tatusi. Hi. And uh, Paminda, I don't know your surname. Uh, Paminda Kaur Pandal. Amazing. It's so wonderful to meet you both and spend some time. For the benefit of the listeners, we're um, in beautiful Collingwood uh, in Nam on unceded Wurundjeri country. We're recording outside today because sometimes I'm not that good at the practicalities of being a human, but uh, we give ourselves grace and forgiveness and I'm really excited for our program today. Uh, We're gonna be spending some time discussing an upcoming show for Melbourne Fringe Festival called Azza. Um, And I'm gonna invite Sharaf to tell us a little bit more about about the show and um, its incarnation and where it came from and hopefully um yeah really looking forward to hearing more yeah so aza is actually the arabic word for condolence um but colloquially in the middle east aza is also used as like the word for wake as in after a funeral and um the reason that it's called aza a wake is because Middle Eastern wakes are not like traditional I guess wakes that people see on TV and all of these things they're not like an exclusive thing that the family goes after the funeral the wake is open to everyone it's kind of like an open house where everyone comes and pays condolence so that's why the connection between the two words Um, and we all I guess when my grandmother passed away earlier this year um, I felt really lonely in the grief because it was not like anything I'd seen on TV or depicted anywhere and I thought surely I'm not the only one who feels this way like this disconnection between me and this person overseas and all the complicated feelings that come with the fact for example that I don't have any voice texts from her I don't have any photos with her there's a lot of things that just aren't there that people expect that you would commemorate and commiserate over so um I reached out to a few people who also were grieving in diaspora in in some shape or form Pimento is one of them and I was like why don't we put on a show and let's stage it as a wake and and talk about our experiences so yeah that's kind of what Aza is in a nutshell Mm. and it's such a, a gracious thing to offer that space 
and define it and invite everyone to participate in it it really um as you were describing the the loss of those i guess mementos of grief for want for a better word um yeah it really hit me i'm I'm motioning to my chest it hit me in the heart it's um it's real humanity and expressing our shared humanity in a way i guess yeah definitely yeah yeah i definitely think that everyone has experienced or will experience grief at some point i think it's just that that grief can look so different like there is diversity in all of our experiences and there is diversity in grief and even specifically when we specify that that grief to when you lose a human being like another human being dies i think that grief in and of itself has so much diversity and i think without sounding too buzzy about it like there is so much push to talk about the diversities in all of our other life experiences on screen on the radio in media but grief is still one that i think we're so uncomfortable about grief in its current mainstream depiction that we are a little bit scared to go in the diversities of it especially because it requires us to ask marginalized populations especially people who have diversities in their grief to i guess come with their vulnerability into spaces that might not feel safe so i think for us and for me specifically I was like well this is not me saying to these people tell your stories to me as something I haven't experienced it was like I've experienced this have you experienced this too um Mm. and that creation of space is not so I can be like wow I created a space it's because I'm like I didn't have this space it was really hard for me did you feel that too and maybe we can just invite everyone to kind of grieve with us Mm. yeah Paminja, you and I are nodding away. Um, How was it that you came to be involved in this project? Um, Well, Sharif actually invited me to this project. um, And before I was in this project, we were both in in, uh, Slam and Amma Ding Dong, which is a monthly poetry slam that really um, values like intersectionality, Um, and also peripheral bodies being heard which um, I think we both like are really advocate for Um, and then I remember Sharif approaching me and I and I just thought I actually don't think I have anything to say about this like I didn't really know my grandparents I was so far away from them and I feel like my family has assimilated so much more and I don't know the language and I felt this real imposter syndrome and I thought well that in itself is a grief Mm. you know we share our stories you know and our stories with one another and not having those stories is a loss like a loss of language a loss of stories a loss a loss of lineage you know a loss of land because we're we're um, in two different places mm. um, and, I, and I thought about it and I thought maybe maybe I do have something to say about something that I thought I had nothing to say 100% about have something to say <laughs> um, I guess I was saying along the lines of having a right to the space having a right to the question and on first impressions I don't want to say the phrase gaslight, but I'm not even quite sure what I mean. You know, we question ourselves, um, especially, you know, when it's complex loss, um, Mm. a loss that we cannot name, Mm. but maybe we can. Mm. Yeah, I I really feel that. And, you know, you know, it is its own kind of gaslighting because it's, I guess, not giving yourself permission or 
I think it felt like it wasn't my place, it wasn't my land, it wasn't my territory, when it very much was, because me and my grandfather, you know, we share the same blood, Mm. you know, you know, what he made and what he worked towards was for his kids and their kids, so was for us, um, but, you know, I, we, we felt, I felt so far away from that because when my parents came here, we were like, you know, we're sticking our flag in this country and this is who we are now. Um, and then I thought, and then you just sort of think, oh, wait, what about the other country? Mm. Um, what about the stories from that land? What about, you know, the family from that land? And I felt like I was reaching, but I could never, like, properly like grasp anything Mm. um and so it was just like aiming and missing and then sometimes really like holding on tightly Mm. how has the process worked um and i offer this question to you both how have you found the experience of working with other artists and bringing your story um around complex loss grief diaspora how has that felt knowing that you're cultivating a space in the community for this really important conversation um i think i think that's a really great question thank you for asking it um i think working with other artists has been great i think because this is just such a beautiful group of human beings first and foremost um when the way that this group of artists came together was a little bit of people like answering a call out and then a little bit of invitation um and when I look at this group of artists my gosh I'm filled with so much pride because Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone is such a formidable artist in their own right but also a formidable human being like there is I think was it like our first meeting or our second meeting we sat together and we created community agreements so we sat together and we were like okay we're going to talk about this like really really intense vulnerable thing people are going to need to be taken care of so like Mm. what are your boundaries what are your needs this isn't and this is an ongoing conversation I think we ask each other every time like we did our first read through at the library the other day and you know everyone was in tears there's there's some (laughs) beautiful facial expressions coming from Paminda right now real like it's like if if I could verbalize the expressions like like real or like right in there we did we did this free through and I feel like we held each other so effectively and then the question afterwards that all of us wanted to ask each other was like how are you feeling how can I take care of you how can I hold space for you also when we do this on stage five nights in a row like what do you need and it's Mm. not it's not like once that's answered it's put away in a file and we never talk about it again it's like a constantly it's a constantly happening conversation we're always having this conversation Mm. so I think yes the artists are formidable in the art they make but I think what you will see on stage if you do come along to the show is that you'll see the care that we all have for one another and Mm. by extension our audience and I think I think I'm going to let Paminda talk a little bit more about the, what the process has been like for her, maybe. Because, mm, mm. like, that's what it's been like for me, but... I think I think it's been really similar, and I think you've, you've said it all, and you've said it all really beautifully. Um, and, it, you know, there has been this undercurrent of love and, like, real care for one another. Mm. And I, I, I don't know if that's because we come from communities where hospitality is such a big thing and caring for one another and looking out for your neighbor is such a big thing. But it, I, I really felt it. And there was this real 
um, you know, even though we are working towards a play and we are working towards, you know, a, a final, I guess, goal, but there was this real kind of care for one another's feelings and to make sure that we weren't kind of like exploiting one another mm. when we are talking about grief because that can happen <coughs> sometimes. It was, it was really um, whatever everyone felt like sharing and I and mm. I really respected that and that was and that was um different because I've definitely been in spaces before where I've talked about grief and it felt like I was bleeding on stage for people mm. that who I necessarily wasn't or wouldn't um you know share these stories with or who I think wouldn't resonate with them as much was it which isn't to say that they shouldn't hear these stories or then these stories aren't for these people but it felt like um it felt like I was really bleeding on stage and people were patting themselves on the back um and saying oh we've done such a great job this is diversity and that and I didn't feel like there was much aftercare afterwards and mm. I would feel so drained um and felt like really tender afterwards and and this isn't the feeling that I have right now it's you know, it's real love and it's real care and it's real support. And when I talk about my story and people are nodding, I know they're nodding because they really feel it. And mm. and that is such a big push and motivation to, like, you know, really open up to people. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, I think that it's like there's another element to it. It's like, yes, all of that, I'm going to yes and that whole statement and be like, mm. yes, I agree. It's definitely like what we've all brought to the table is this like sense of care and love for one. And like, I think we will be bonded forever after this, for sure. This group of people will like, we've seen each other's souls now, but we cannot go back. Mm. But I also think that like, we all come into the space and it's not like we leave any part of ourselves at the door because it'll make someone else feel uncomfortable. It's the expectation that I'm going to put whatever I can into the space, but you don't need to pick it up. I don't need you to take that on. Mm. Like there's no competition in the space. There's no like my set has to be the best. There's so much like spirit of collaboration and working towards shared healing in the space. And Mm. it's like, even though it's like laborious and it feels really vulnerable, I don't go away feeling like, overwhelmed or traumatized by the experience and how refreshing is that I have to say as someone who's been you know um an an active member of the community a participant in terms of you know getting up there and speaking myself and being more like for the last few years an, an audience member you know um and taking that you know care to be present to listen it sounds so refreshing to me and I I hope that most artists have an element of this in their practice but there's some grounded intentionality in what you're saying around that responsibility and duty of care to oneself as an artist to the four of you working together and by extension it's really um you know gracing everyone to to really look after everybody and make sure that yeah the story needs to be heard but how do we do it in a way that really is, um, you know, gracious and thinks of everyone's perspectives? I think there's just, like, a common understanding between all of us at the mm. moment. They're like, yes, the story needs to be heard, but the story is not more important than the people who are telling the story. Yes. yes. I want to go another <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like, I can feel that. Like, I, 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 it's palpable. I can feel that. 
But I think, you know, something as well, as well that came to mind as you were describing this beautiful shared care and responsibility you all have for each other in the space is that it's so um, counter to what a lot of other art spaces can sometimes be just by a product of being a human existing in a system that doesn't support us to do that naturally and i'm thinking of capitalism because <laughs> we talked about it before mm-hmm. and yeah like it just seems like the antithesis or the opposite yeah. of that kind of space yes we exist in capitalism and, and yeah we're talking about an amazing show that's going to be part of the melbourne fringe festival as a, and i really want you to come because i think it's going to be great um and you know we have to live in our reality right yeah but there's more to life than that and it feels like there's a real grace and consideration in terms of how this show's been produced in such a caring and considered way and it feels really ethical and sustainable Mm. um because there's this real commonality of deep listening and deep listening to one another um and there's this ethos of you know, we are we are the land, we are the nature, so we've got to look after ourselves and we've got to look after the land that, you know, um, that, you know, is, you know, that we're essentially immigrants on um, mm. and really take care of it. Um, yeah, that feels all the more visceral and real sitting where we're sitting, again, for the benefit of the listeners, where outside um, in Collingwood, Nam, on unceded Wurundjeri country. And to my right is all the, um, you know, commission housing. We're, we're very much around people and yeah, I'm very much a coloniser settler in this land and our stories are all valid, but some stories get heard a lot louder and a lot more frequently. And I think this show offers a counterpoint um, to hold complex grief and really be open and share that. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think there was. I think it's coming from the fact that me, but also I think everyone in the group, really came to a decentering of whiteness in our lives recently. I think it's been a couple of years, and we've all been doing this like decentering thing mm. on our own, and I think. By decentering whiteness, we needed all to unpack all this stuff about individualist mindsets and community mindsets and stuff. Like we all come from cultures where community is the center. Like you are not the center of the universe. Your community is the center of the universe. Your shared mission is the center of the universe. So like you have your space in that and you get to be an individual within what you do. You get to be creative in what you do in that community, but you don't always have to be the leader. Like you don't lead on every project. You don't always have to be the loudest voice. You don't always have to be the center of the universe. It's Mm. okay. And I think by decentering whiteness, we found ways to decenter ourselves from mm. each other's experiences. Mm-hmm. And so we're coming into a space and we're sharing our experiences, but we're not finding the need to center ourselves in each other's parts of it. So, like, yes, we all have complex grief and yes, we have commonalities, but like when Paminda comes in and says, I didn't know my grandparents and I feel like I've lost that, no one else feels like they need to say, oh and and the way that i feel that is whatever it's like paminda finishes speaking and then there is space for all of us to posit what we feel but it's only when paminda has finished speaking Mm. yeah i'm very consciously not speaking right now (laughs) (laughs) 
Because I think, you know, there's um, an element of, like, apologist or whataboutism that seems to be so stuck into whiteness. Um, and you just want to say shit and it doesn't need to be said. Like, allow the space. We get frightened of silence. What do you think about that statement, if you'd like to comment on it? I my set for the for the show is full of silence. Like mm. I it's it's interesting how it all worked out in the sense that like there is different production elements to everyone's sets, but I think mine is probably the least produced and um there is just a lot of deprivation and a lot of silence. I think grief in and of itself is lack. Like mm. in my mind, if there is no love, there is no grief. And I think in some way, shape or form we are all grieving love in some way, shape or form. If it's for Perminda's experience, and I don't want to speak over, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but, for example, in Perminda's experience, it's, like, the lack of connection and the lack of that shared love. For me, in in my experience, it's that I often kept saying after my grandmother passed away, there was, like, one person in the world who gave me so much love and who I shared so much reciprocal love with, and now I feel like there is love missing from me. Mm. And I think that silence that space is almost the basis of our show we're sitting there in we're almost trying to convey the silence and the space that grief pushes us into and it's it's uncomfortable you're like i can talk about this for as long as possible but it's not going to get smaller until time moves and and Mm. that's like what tabani said is about it's about like the movement of time after someone dies and i think it's just yeah i think Silence is uncomfortable, mm. but I think it is also necessary because you can't hear everyone else's voices if you're always talking. Very, very, very true. Yeah. We're all nodding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Funnily enough, silence isn't great for radio. So um, just reminding everyone we're on 3CR Spoken Word Program and we are learning all about an amazing show that's coming up for Fringe Festival. When is it exactly? 18th to 22nd of October. Yes. 6pm at Trey's Hall in Old Council Chambers. Mm-hmm. Except for Sunday, it's a 5pm start. Um, we have an Ausline interpreted performance on Friday. Amazing. So that is the 20th, I believe. And yeah, I think that's all the information that you need. If you want to get a ticket, go to um, Melbourne Fringe website. This piece is called Heartbeats and Bloodlines. Um, and this is also the very first piece that Sharaf heard me perform. <clears throat> Growing up, me and my sisters spent most of our time running. We were children. It was at that age where our memories melted away into puddles. Our hearts swelled with wonder and glory. Our little fingers would point towards an orange sun. All that brilliance and beauty would cradle our skin. We were disappearing acts in broad daylight. Now, I spend most of my time trying to get my heartbeats back tiptoeing around my own skin, trying not to forget how easy it is for a brown girl to become doormat. I mean, I mean dirt. No, I mean doormat. In art school, someone once said, I wish you would stop making work about being an immigrant and that maybe I should go beyond myself. But how does one go beyond their own heart? I was brought into the world with thudding hands and my blood, I mean skin, I mean blood, turned brown. Sometimes I think people mistake my skin, I mean scab, no, I mean skin, for a scab and then start picking, which is to say that I've spent most of my life trying to cover up. I learned not to love anything that looked like me, to never acknowledge the man with the turban on his head, even though he was my dad. 
I can pronounce the word attempted in three different languages, which is to say that I learned far too much, far too quickly, but still managed to put my hand on my chest in between it all. Sometimes being well-adjusted just means forgetting you have a heart. But where do you really come from? I come from the heart. I think being displaced is just another way of saying that the land and body are experiencing heartbreak. But how does one reject a heart and all the blood? I mean stories, I mean blood that the heart carries. You know, my dad wraps his turban up like a bandage, like a way to stop the blood from oozing out. And aren't bloodlines just places where we keep our stories? And so how does one forget about migration? I mean myself, no, I mean migration. No, I mean myself and how heavy it weighs on my heart. My heart. Heartbeats are a funny thing. The body's language of choice goes beyond borders and keeps us alive. Mm. That's the first poem of yours I've ever heard. And I felt it. It's... Beautiful. I'm like, I'm like in tears. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you so much, Raminda. That was gorgeous. <clears throat> Remind our listeners what was the title for that piece? Uh, Heartbeats and Bloodlines. Heartbeats and Bloodlines. Just gorgeous work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm just reading an excerpt from my monologue from the show. So think of it as a little taste or a sneak peek of sorts. Mm. Um, And this is about, I guess it's just about grief. So when everybody asks me how I'm doing at the wake, I tell them that I'm sad, but ultimately I am okay. When they ask me if I'm really okay, I tell them that I feel hollow. My extended family translates this to mean that I must feel like I have been wounded. Grief takes away the energy it takes to correct them. In reality, I did not and have not since my grandmother's death at any point felt anything that resembles being winded. Instead, I am engulfed by the sense that I have not yet exhaled, that the first breath I took after we received news of her passing is trapped in the bottoms of the alveoli in my lungs, waiting for a grief that is more than just a rough exhale. Like when I'm driving home on the M80 after a good day a few kilometres over the speed limit so I can get home quickly to tell her about it because for a moment, in my mind, she has not yet passed. A rough exhale. Or when we're having dinner and somebody mixes all their food together so it's a conglomeration of all the small dishes on the table and I start saying that Teta would hate, then correct myself, Teta would have hated that a rough exhale. Or when I I take inventory of my leave absence and immediately start looking for flights to Lebanon to visit my Teta before closing the webpage, a rough exhale. Grief makes a fool of me. Grief is both brutally honest and an exceptional liar. Grief makes itself known again and again and again until it is undeniable. There is still a part of me that won't really believe that she is gone until I cross the oceans and the 13,787 kilometers that separate us only to find that she is not there anymore. But the couch in my paternal aunt's living room where she would sit and watch TV has been vacant for months. And only then will there be a smooth, long exhale followed by a winding. Roughly translated, my grief has not yet found a place to land, to become undeniable. There was no funeral, no real wake like the one they had overseas where they wore black and cried and shed and cried some more. Instead, we all sat in my father's lounge and distant relatives or close strangers came to visit and offered weak condolences with their weak coffees and their chatter and their gossip. And I was mad at them. Grief tells me that when somebody dies, you are meant to feel so inexplicably horrible, like the deepest wounding of your life has just happened and then you are meant to heal. 
And I think maybe the healing takes a long time. Maybe it hurts a whole lot or maybe it just fades into the background. Maybe it comes in large poignant waves or maybe it lingers like a faint whisper until it dwindles and you can't really hear it anymore. I cannot confidently say that I know and I'm afraid that I never truly did grieve my theta, that I never truly will. Hmm. Allowing some silence as much as Nam will allow. Far out. That was gorgeous too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, tell you what, community, you have a lot to look forward to in Fringe Festival. Um, and I urge you strongly to purchase a ticket go tell your friends tell your community tell those that may not listen to the show to come and listen to this show and learn about how amazing this fringe show Aza is going to be that sounds gorgeous um I know you're still in the stages of you know organizing everything working together as a, a wonderful community of poets um can we confirm who, who's in the show again for the listeners yeah so me Sharaf Tatusi uh Piminda Piminda Kaur who's like the best and um also two other best people which is not grammatically correct but that's okay uh Tabani Chuma and Farah Biani um and then also we have Mina Shamali on sound you've been listening to 3CR's spoken word program my name is Carmen Main and I'm so grateful for your time today thank you for listening um we have been sharing some amazing words with the producers and um, poets of Aza, uh, amazing show that's coming up um, at Melbourne Fringe. Love for you to get involved. Have a look at the Fringe Festival program to book your tickets. Um, and, yeah, my sincere thanks to our guests, uh, Parminda and Sharaf. Stay tuned uh, to 3CR. There's always lots to learn and lots to listen to. Um, And looking forward to you tuning in next week on Spoken Word here every Thursday at 9am on 3CR. Have a great week.